After a way too long hiatus, it is time to once again throw open the gates of the Secret Lair Drive-In. Grab your tickets, grab your popcorn and something to drink as we sit down and discuss this week's cinematic masterpiece. And here are your hosts, D-Dub and Stratosphere. And now, on with the show. You will each be tied in a prescribed fashion and cast into the moat. Only from the pen of Edgar Allan Poe could come such an horrendous tale of terror. The Conqueror Worm. Starring Vincent Price in the most diabolic role of his career. Look for the devil's marks upon him. Get on with your task. The distorted genius of Poe creates poetic beauty from pain and uses idyllic love as a tool of torture. Men sometimes have strange motives for the things they do. I know. You've got an accusation to make. I'll get your confession for you. I'm husband to Sarah Lowe's. He's a man who's out to kill both of us. And it appears to me that we should take steps to see to his death first. Leave the children at home. And if you're squeamish, stay home with them. I shall kill you. Please, leave the children at home. Well, welcome to this episode of The Secret Lair Drive-In. I am your host, your fearless leader, the one and only D-Dub. And across the brand new microphone from me is my faithful acolyte. It's been so long I can't even remember. Stratosphere. Hi, kids. Hacha! Feeling a little out of harness here has been a bit. So anyway, what is our... Oh, before we do that... We have some feedback we're going to share with everybody here. Okay. This is from our friend Joe Iden. I hope that's how it's pronounced. And it goes, gentlemen, Joe Iden here. I just wanted to drop you a line and let you know how much I enjoyed the last few podcasts. Your coverage of War of the Gargantuas was great to listen to. This is also one of my favorite of the Toho films. And there's never enough coverage of this film in the podcasting community, in my humble opinion. Quick side note. Currently, on the sitcom Two and a Half Men, the actress Amber Tamblin is doing a supporting role. Uh, actually, she got uh, upgraded to full-time cast member, but that's okay. She's Russ Tamblin's daughter from War of the Gargantuas. But I'd be willing to bet both of you already knew that. Uh, side note. I didn't realize that's who it was because I never watched Joan of Arcadia. 
I was a huge fan, so I I did know that. I actually meant to tell you when we were talking about uh, canceled TV series on our sister podcast, he explained it all. Okay, I have such a love-hate relationship with Two and a Half Men, but eh, is what it is. I, I lean more toward apathy, but that's just me. <laughs> Horror High is a film I never saw, but I'm currently seeking out. You made it sound like a film I'd like to see. Uh, Joe, I don't want to take the blame for that one, just for the record. <laughs> you know, we, we must be like gods if we actually convinced him that it's worth seeing. Because <laughs> I don't even recall either one of us actually saying that. I went to give away my copy and then I bought a copy or a uh, monster movie collection because it had They Saved Hitler's Brain. And I'll be damned if there wasn't a copy of Horror High on there. But I'll tell you what, Joe... Uh, we will try and contact you. I think we might have an extra copy lying around the lair that, uh, we'll see if we can get to you. And may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Mad Monster Party is a DVD I actually pre-ordered a few years back when I found out it was getting a DVD release. I'd seen this one when I was much younger, but did not remember a thing about it. Since owning it on DVD, I've come to have a love-not-love relationship with it. I like it, but have trouble getting through it sometimes. I can relate. The character designs are great. You get Karloff doing a voice. By the way, this is last time Karloff was associated with anything Frankenstein. Phyllis Diller gives us good vocal, good, Phyllis Diller gives us a good voice performance too. I think the fact that Karloff and Diller has such distinct voices really add to the performances and also add to the enjoyment of the film. Rankin Bass sure got their money's worth out of Alan Swift. He does a ton of voices in the film. I do find the story to be a bit boring at times, and some of the songs just don't work for me. I was wondering if you know that there was a prequel of sorts to this film. It aired on September 23, 1972, as part of the ABC Saturday Superstar movie. Uh, I believe we mentioned that during the... Um, I want to say we did. During the Saturday Morning Fever episode of Geek Explain It All. The film Mad 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 Monsters was made in traditional cell animation and not stop motion. Bob McFadden did a Karloff imitation for the voice, and as far as I know, nobody from the first film reprised their role. Perhaps Alan Swift, but I don't know as I never saw or even heard of this film. It did get a DVD release in 2011 from Classic Media, so I may have to track this one down. Uh, side note, I believe it's actually posted on YouTube somewhere. It's... Uh... Just as another side note, it's entirely possible that Alan Swift uh, might have done a voice or two because he did uh, any number of voices for the Hanna-Barbera Studios, which, as we all know, was a major uh, contributor to Saturday morning cartoons in general. He, he did quite a few voices uh, for the Flintstones, and uh, he, he's just an all-around great uh, character actor. Yep. Uh, keep up the great work here and on Geeks Explain It All. And I'll keep listening because, after all, these podcasts won't, won't listen watch to themselves. It, no, podcasts won't listen to themselves. Won't listen to themselves. You see what he did there? I see what he did there. <laughs> he actually fooled me. Yeah. A big fan, Joe Iden. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, we really appreciate any feedback that we get. And um looks like we might have to bestow upon Joe the coveted title of Geekus Emeritus of B-Movie Studies at the Gaia Institute for Crap Film. I like that. I'm going to have to, when I'm editing this, I'm going to have to write that down because I can't, I probably won't remember it. It'd be cool if you came up with like a really cool acronym 
like like a wooden bucket wagon yeah there go go gophers watch them go go and never mind so what anyway. can they do for fun <laughs> two little indians all right let's... all right we can't avoid it what's this week's film this week's film uh is from 1968 and uh the it actually went under two titles. The original uh, title was Witchfinder General. It was actually released here in the States as The Conqueror Worm. And I believe it was released as The Conqueror Worm as a way to somehow make it seem like they were trying to tie it into all of those Edgar Allan Poe stories. Yeah, because, you know, we reviewed um, The Raven, and there were there was that one, and I th- want to say two other ones Maybe Tales of Terror. Tales of Terror, Pit and the Pendulum. Yeah, okay. Um, no. Might have might have even been another one, but they wanted to tie it in there, and they it the the connection is tenuous at best. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's not. There, there's exact- basically there's basically a poem that is called that by Poe that somehow ties in with it. I don't even think they they. Now you see, I'm so far behind on my Poe that I was not aware of that. Well, my my daughter has the. Uh, Big, thick, complete works of Poe that I got her like two or three years ago. So I, I every now and then I'll crack that bad boy open just just to cheer myself up. You understand? Oh, of course. You know, um, I probably I think I have that shelf that a paperback of that not on the shelf in here because that's reserved for fine paperbacks like Oh Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter and of course the complete works of Uncle John's Bathroom Reader. Well, not quite complete, but it's getting there. It's a, it's a work in progress, but we digress, as we do. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> go for it. Oh, the best place to start with these would be... The, the plot. plot. All right. It is 1645, and England is torn by war between the Royalists and Oliver Cromwell's Roundheads. Oh, I'm sorry. It's only 618. 1645, the year. But you all knew that. Well, of course. That that, that was my I, that was that was my Alex Trebek imitation. You knew that. <laughs> Ooh, sorry, Ooh, sorry. I'll take S words for two hundred. Damn you, Trebek. Moo. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. All right. One one sentence, and we got real. Now, well, I co- keep I keep trying because I I think I mentioned on during the round table. I did not much care for this movie. Okay, well, when the country, England, is in a state of confusion, professional witch hunter Matthew Hopkins and his brutal assistant John Stern ride from town to town, torturing confessions out of suspected witches and collecting money from local magistrates, local magistrates, for every quote-unquote witch that they execute. And they are pretty brutal, and he's actually pretty proud because he comes up with what he feels are new and exciting ways of taking care of the witches. You know, it's funny because I, I keep, as he's doing these, these tortures, all I can think of is uh, Eric Idle in uh, Holy Grail. She's a witch. <laughs> he turned me into a newt. I got, oh, I got better. better. <laughs> anyway. What else floats on water? Witches. Oh, go ahead. Anyway, they arrive in Brandiston. You knew that was coming. Folks. Yes. Where aged clergyman John Lowe's has been called a witch by some villagers. 
That's Brandison. Brandis Brandiston? That's what I hear here, Brandiston. Oh, okay. Did they have all kinds of cheesy dinner theaters there? Oh, I, I, every every time I read, all I can think of is uh, Brandiston or oh, Brandiston. I was thinking like Branson, Missouri. Well, when I got here, you said, hi, I'm Glenn Campbell. Oh, okay. So I had that on the mind. Okay, two paragraphs. <laughs> anyway. They torture clergyman John Lowe's by sticking needles into his back, searching for the devil's mark, the devil's mark being anywhere where he doesn't bleed. I, I love these cause and effect uh, well, tests that they do. But anything you consider the devil's mark would be like if you had a mole on your on your back or on your face. Or well, something. I, no, I actually like looked it up on Wikipedia, and it it was an actual thing. They didn't just invent it for the movie, but the whole point of it was if it, they would have to stick a needle, and if you didn't bleed, that it's it's similar to the okay, if you if you float, you're you're a witch, but if you drown, you're not. Yay! <laughs> Theodoric of York, <laughs> medieval barber. <laughs> Good good news, she's not a witch. Bad news, news. She's, she's dead. Oh, my God. I kept thinking about that this whole movie. <laughs> oh, now that's all I could think about. Thanks. I, I told God I had omitted that from the recesses of my brain. Not it's, anymore. It's back. By sticking needles into his back, looking for the devil's mark, and hitting him, stopping only when Lowe's... Beautiful niece, Sarah, whose fiancé, Richard Marshall. You need, like, dramatic music every time you say his name. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Oh, uh, before I forget, there is one thing I do have to say. Absolutely. Carl Nelson. Even in the summertime. No, there's no time on that, but that's okay. Okay. But, uh, no, you have to have uh, dramatic music whenever Richard Marshall's name is mentioned because that that's really the one thing that I... I had a problem with with the movie is they have this great sequence where he hops on his horse and rides through the countryside and they play this dramatic music and it, and it totally works the first time they do it then the second time you're just like did, did i fall asleep did did i miss something because i i saw this part before i mean it's literally shot for shot the <laughs> same exact thing of him riding the freaking horse well there's only so many ways you can ride a guy <laughs> I, I know, but it's just, I think they were trying to keep the pace going, and it's just like, no, you're you're just padding the movie, recycling footage. You know, talking about just uh, padding the movie, this movie actually did get a, um, I believe it was an X, or they had to cut out quite a few scenes. There are some really sadistic scenes in this bad boy. For, but, for 1968, I mean, this was... I did notice during the course of this, there were a couple points where the film kind of flipped to really grainy footage for a couple seconds that had to be stuff that was cut out uh yeah i meant to tell you about that there they basically that was um footage that got cut out for the american print i believe it, it was what i had looked up so when it went grainy that was parts i mean and you'll notice it only went grainy for like a second or two at a time not, right they not, just Pulled a couple of frames. It was basically stuff that they trimmed to be able to get the R rating or whatever it is they needed to air it here. And in, in, the in a lot of cases, it looked like it was just a couple of additional seconds of them suffering or something. I th I think the way the um, Motion Picture Association works or the the rating system works, it's not so much the acts but the actual amount of screen time. So if they can. 
you know, somebody's getting their head cut off or whatever. Uh, if four seconds is bad, two seconds is good. So it, it's it. I, I'm uh, exaggerating, but that's that's kind of the concept at work here. It's, it's, uh, go figure. Yeah. So Richard Marshall is off fighting with Cromwell, and uh, he, the the niece Sarah offers herself to Hos- Hopkins. With Lowe's in prison, Hopkins visits Sarah for sexual favors every night. But while he is away, Stern rapes Sarah. When Hopkins finds out, he wants nothing more to do with her and orders Stern to continue his torture of Lowe's. Before leaving the village, Hopkins and Stern execute Lowe's and two others, uh, otherwise known as the the will-they-float-or-not sequence. Oh, yeah. As I kept watching that... And he's saying, okay, if you float, you're a witch. If you don't, you're not. And they keep him down there long enough for him to die. Yeah. Congratulations, you're not a witch. He did have a particularly brutal one, and I don't know if he came in earlier or after this. He had someone tied. It looked like they were tied on a ladder, and they slowly lowered him onto a fire. Um, I think I want to say that was later. The... The, the probably one of the most brutal ones is the sequence that opens the entire movie where they they're doing this slow walk with this woman accused of being a witch and literally she won't stop screaming the whole freaking time and when when they finally hang her it gets obviously quiet and just the brutality of the whole thing is really kind of kind of off-putting again for 1968 I mean, you're... well, you know, there were a couple of movies that came within a couple of years of this that they just really upped the brutality on the witch finding thing. Yeah, there was a German film it was called Mark of the Devil. Uh heard of it, never seen it. There was, heard act- it was pretty good. There was actually a scene where they ripped out somebody's tongue. Ouch! Oh, so yeah. g- Game you, of Game of Thrones then? When you went <laughs> in, when you I, I've never seen any Game of Thrones, but as you went. As you went into the theater, or in our case, the drive-in, yeah, they would actually issue you with a barf bag. See, I thought they didn't do that till The Exorcist, but that's interesting. No, they they did it for that, and apparently these things are going for some pretty good coin on... Uh, oh, sure. Eat worth even more with the barf in them, right? Mm. <laughs> you know, that... Okay, we won't even right. go there. Um Onward. Onward and upward. Before leaving the village, Hopkins and Stern's execute Lois and two others. Marshall returns to Brandiston and realizes he hasn't kept his oath to Sarah to let no one harm you. He vows to kill Hopkins and Stern. After, and I'm big air quotes here, marrying Sarah, uh, no one actually performs the ceremony. They just kind of kneel and are kind of like, okay, God, we're, we're going to say vows and stuff, so we're married, right? Yeah, okay, cool. Let's do it. So, he sets off across the English countryside. You know what? That would that would be an awesome sequence on YouTube if you took the the entire riding scene and put the Dudley Do-Rights music <laughs> over it. That would be freaking awesome. Oh, yeah. And interspace... I'm actually going to do that when I get home, I think. <laughs> and interspace... Uh... Like the scenes of torture with dun, 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 dun. Oh yeah, that would totally work, dude. I like that. See, see, this this is why this show is so important. We have to, we have we have so much to entertainment to offer. You the know, world. I didn't realize just how sensitive these mics are. I have a handful of business cards that we picked up at uh, 
Mid Ohio Con. Yeah. And every t- and I keep uh, straightening them up on the desk, and you can hear it. Yeah, I can hear it. Hell, I can hear it with headphones on, dude. Seriously. Well, it's coming through the microphones. That's why. Wow. Okay, so he sets off across the English countryside, telling Sarah to go to Labenham. Marshall eventually catches up with Stern, but after a brutal fight, he escapes. Now, both Hopkins and Stern know that Marshall is on their trail. Marshall finds out that Hopkins and Stern are in the town where Sarah has fled. With a few of his soldier friends, he uh, gallops there. However, Hopkins, having found out that Sarah is in the town, has set a trap for him. Soon, both Marshall and Sarah are taken off to a dungeon. While Sarah is stuck with long needles, Hopkins tries to get Marshall to confess that he is a witch, so he can be publicly executed. But all Marshall says is that he will kill Hopkins. That 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 part gets a little, I hate to say, tedious because he keeps getting tortured. And he's just, you know, he keeps telling him, "Confess, confess." He's like, "I'm going to kill you." I'm going to kill you. Oh look, it's Ken coming to kill me. Oh God! Name the movie, folks. Do you want me to do it? I don't care. Um, I'm gonna go fish call Wanda. Yep. Okay. Just watched it this past weekend. Oh, God, I haven't seen that in ten years. Hysterically funny. I wanted to get my wife into it, but then I remembered dogs are killed. Can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) She doesn't kill. People are killed, but dogs getting killed? No, she won't sign off on that one. Um, No dogs were harmed during the filming of the movie, though. Oh, okay. It's the illusion of it. Gotcha. Um. As I said, all Marshall says is that he's going to kill Hopkins, so the torture continues. Hopkins orders Stern to bring Marshall closer while he brands Sarah. At this moment, Marshall kicks his boot heel. Into now, he did he did brand her? I know he, that he was sticking her with all kinds of needles. Um, I think it's his intent to brand her. I can't honestly recall. I just know from all the pain that she was pretty much driven driven mad. Uh, yeah. Well, I think at this point there isn't a sane person in the room. I, I think you could certainly make that point. Uh, but Marshall kicks his boot heel into Stern's eye, blinding him. He then grabs an axe and strikes Hopkins with it over and over and over and over. <laughs> Arriving at the scene, one of Marshall's friends mercifully shoots Hopkins, killing him. And Marshall then just basically starts yelling over and over, you've taken him from me, and the see, the movie basically begins as it ends with a woman screaming. In this case, it's Sarah. And that's the plot. Yay. Well, I, I think the, the problem with this is um, it's definitely a performance that we're not used to from Vincent Price because he always plays even just a little bit of, of camp to his roles, this has zero camp to well, it. Well, I, I understand. I actually, is isn't even um, Vincent Price's performance in this that I didn't like. I didn't much care for the overall story. It did tend to drag a little bit. Well, uh, again, it's like I said, you, I, I think the, the filmmakers realize that, so that's why they put the, the writing sequence in twice, but it... Yeah, I'm totally, I'm totally gonna do that. I'm totally gonna do that. Look for it on YouTube. Look for it on YouTube. Eventually. Eventually. So, um... It just, the, st- the story just really didn't do it for me, and mainly even like the, uh, sadistic scenes, just seemed like they were 
just in there strictly for shock value. I understand what they were trying to do, but and I, I will agree. You know, the the thing about Vincent Price movies in general is that regardless of what era they come from, you can always count on two things in a Vincent Price movie. You can count on Vincent Price being Vincent Price, who's he's all, almost always freaking awesome. And he always tends to get movies that have pretty decent special effects. And I would say this might be an exception to that because there was there was graphicness to the, the torture scenes, but it really didn't come across as, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, the money's all up there on the screen. I, it, it, I, wanna, I didn't want to say it looked cheesy, but it just didn't look like like typical. Well, I know is this a Hammer production? No, no. It's not. Oh, see, that's your problem. See, <clears throat> Hammer Hammer spends money on the blood. Well, even if they would have, it's like I said, the general story just. I mean, I can remember a couple of times while I'm watching this that I literally was thinking, "Is this damn thing ever going to be get finished?" I don't think it was. Uh, all that as bad as all that, but I I do agree that it there were parts where it it may not have been as well paced as it could have been. But. And, and plus, I believe he, um, when you were talking about an interview Jonathan Harris once did, he had made a thing like pure evil is boring. Um, his little toady, I can't remember what the guy's name is. Um, Vincent Price's little assistant. Oh, John Stern? Yeah, I... He was not... I mean, he was basically just evil and sadistic for the sake of it, and it just wasn't all that interesting to me. Yeah, and plus, he wasn't Vincent Price, so you don't you don't have that, you know, added value to it. When when Vincent Price is doing the sadistic scenes, it's like, oh, okay, you can, you can tell he's enjoy... You know, he's relishing having such a, you know, a foul role... You know, yeah, good point. But uh, yeah, any anybody can do these scenes, but Vincent Price is Vincent Price. Yeah, I, anything else is just second best. Well, you got any final thoughts on this? Um, I don't. My only final thought is I. It's not. I wouldn't say it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I I would say it's definitely not in Vincent Price's top echelon of films. It's definitely yeah. not. If, if if you're talking to someone that's new to Vincent Price, a younger person, it's certainly not a starting point. No, I mean, uh, come on, House on Haunted Hill was a better film. I mean, I'm and I like that film though. So. Well, that you know, House on Haunted Hill again for its time had quite a little bit of charm to it. You know, it it had oh sure it had certain uh, things about it that were it, it set out to do and it did them rather with a lot of class and this one. Uh, I I won't say it wasn't classy, but it, it wasn't the type of thing you can point to someone and say, "Look at everything they set out to do in this film." It's like, no, they set out to torture people, dude. Yeah, so. they're just strictly going for shock value, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, with that being said, I think it's time to give this baby a rating. Alrighty, well, just just because I I think it's. Uh, maybe a little bit better. I'm just gonna go normal stink burger on this one. Not not quite ginormous. I'm I'm gonna go a stink burger, but we're gonna toss a little bit of extra onion on it. Well, I was gonna say I, a little I bit of extra onions. I stunk just, that bad. I can't give it the bottom of the barrel. It may be eligible for the golden flush this year, but um, I would say 
so I mean we're we're early in the running, but we'll, it, it'll it'll definitely be uh, one of the nominees at at yeah. uh, press time, I'm sure. Yeah, so stink burger with extra onion. Okay. Uh, now, if you'd like to be a part of the conversation, how could they do that? Uh, Secret Lair Podcast at gmail dot com, and <laughs> and you can catch us on iTunes. You can catch us for your Windows phone. And also, Beyond Pod for your Android devices. And as always, we're at, uh, if you're not already listening to us on there, we're at um, Secret Layer Podcast. Secret, at, uh, Secret Layer Drive-In. Secret Layer Drive-In at dot, dot podbean.com. I'm rusty today, boy. I'm telling you. <laughs> okay. So what is our film for our very next episode? Our next episode is going to be the... Toho classic from 1991, Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah. That's right, folks. So, until next time, this is Dido. And Stratosphere. Saying, go watch a B-movie. And why? Because these movies won't watch themselves. Or torture themselves. Bye, folks. Later, kids. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater.